It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to preview the Jets and Giants preseason opener for 2019 by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So Chris, no training camp because the Jets and Giants are getting ready for their Snoopy Bowl, as they call it, at MetLife Stadium. I still can't remember exactly where that name came from, and I honestly don't care anymore. It's a stupid name, but it's just kind of funny to say, so I'll keep saying it just so it'll make myself laugh. The big news coming out of this on the Jets' end of things, because we'll let a Giants podcast worry about the players that are going to play for the Giants and which third stringers are going to get significant time, is that Le'Veon Bell is not going to play in the opener. I'm totally fine with this. Yes, it would have been cool to see him for a series or two, but it's much more important to be cautious. It's a guy who's had injuries in the past, and he hasn't played in over a year. No reason to play him in this meaningless game. Of course, if you're a Jets fan, you have images of Chad Pennington getting hurt in 2003 running through your head, as well as the images of Mark Sanchez getting hurt back in 2013. If you're a Giants fan, the Jason Seahorn example is a good one. No reason for Bell to go out there, so I think this is the right call by Gase and company. Yeah, I'm not surprised by this at all. It, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, you know, you could have played him for a series or two, but the, the starters aren't going to get that much playing time anyway. And really, what's the point? You're going to send him out there for a series against the Giants. All right, cool. Uh, he'll get some more work later, I'm sure. Uh, Gase still hasn't uh, said anything about that to us. And so he'll keep continuing to tell us that, you know, they'll talk about it and maybe they won't play him at all. I think that would be a mistake not to play him at all in the preseason. Just because uh, normally, I'd you know he's done that before in the past, and that's perfectly fine. But he t- had the year off. I think you got to play him a little bit in the preseason. But this first uh, this first week against the Giants, there's no reason to really send him out there. So it makes sense. It's uh, definitely not a surprise. And then you know, obviously, we'll get uh, Ty Montgomery and Bilal getting some reps. But then there's still. Trenton Cannon and Elijah McGuire out there too. So it'll be good for those guys. They'll get a lot of reps, get to put some tape out there and see what they can show the other teams when, uh, you know, at least one of them, probably both of them end up inevitably getting cut. You'll also not see Marcus May, surprise to nobody. You're not going to see Ryan Khalil or Alex Lewis who just came in and have not practiced yet. 
And Quincy Inunua and Leonard Williams are still kind of shaking off injuries, so they're going to be extra cautious with those guys. Again, the right call here by Gase and company. There's absolutely no reason not to play it safe. Leonard Williams has nothing to prove. Quincy Inunua has had so many injuries. Why risk it? Ryan Khalil and Alex Lewis are obviously not going to play because they haven't even practiced yet. And Marcus May is injured, and I still have a hunch, and we'll find out if I'm right, that he's going to start the season on the pup list. That's just me guessing. I don't have any information on that. But either way, you won't see these guys, and you should be perfectly fine with it. Yeah, you should absolutely be fine with it. Again, you could. what do you want? You really want to send Leonard out there for a series or two uh, against the Giants? In this, it doesn't make sense. We know what Leonard is. Um, you know, obviously, people want to see him have uh, take a little bit of a jump and uh, be more productive, especially in sack areas under Greg Williams' defense. But him playing this week against the Giants isn't going to make any difference for that. So just continue to play it safe. They've been doing that with injuries uh, since Gates got here. Uh, there, there's just no reason. There's no point in doing it. The, the only thing Quincy has to prove is that he can stay healthy. So keeping him out of preseason games is, is good. And like I said, it's they're not going to miss anything. They get they'll get more from practice, and then obviously they'll actually get a couple series in and the next couple of games. So there, there's nothing to be upset about here. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. I suspect that Darrell is only going to play a series or two. Maybe they give him the whole first quarter. You're probably going to see mostly Trevor Simeon. You'll see a little bit of Luke Falk and Davis Webb, I would suspect, at some point, or one or the other. But this is mostly going to be Trevor Simeon. That's fine. How much do you think that the starters are going to play? Do you think that they'll get a full quarter, or is it only going to be a drive or two? I'm going to guess that it's probably just going to be a couple drives. I don't think that uh, you'll see a full quarter now you know you might see some some players who might get a little more time um and then the you know obviously we've been talking about someone like Blake Cashman getting a lot of first team reps he's obviously not a starter but I expect him to see a whole bunch of uh, playing time even and then you know uh, Brandon Copeland who is 
technically the other outside uh, linebacker as the starting guy there. I could see him uh, playing a whole first quarter. Um, so you could see some guys like that, but I'd be surprised if Darnold got more than two, three drives at the most. If the and and even that would be a little a little much for my taste. This is where the difference between watching a preseason game as a fan of that team and just watching a preseason game comes into play. Because this is why I don't watch preseason games of other teams. If you're a Jets fan, you're still excited to see guys like Tim White, Deontay Burnett, Ja'Kai Polite, who's probably going to play a decent amount, some of the rookies. You don't care... If it's another team and this is what we talked about with the Hall of Fame game But for me there are a lot of guys that I'm looking forward to seeing Tim White is right at the top of the list And I really want to see what happens with the kick and punt return stuff Do you think that Dorch is going to get most of the looks? Yeah, I think especially as a punt returner I think they'll probably give a little more of people a chance at kick return But I think he'll he'll get most of them now Again, they they like to switch this up too, so they'll probably get somebody else. Um, you know, they're they're playing the Giants, and uh, I do ex- expect even this preseason game that the Giants will probably be doing a bunch of punting. So you could see that being split up a couple different ways. But I think he would get the the bulk of them. Beyond White and Burnett and the rookies, I'm interested to see how some of the roster bubble and roster fringe guys perform. And I also want to see what happens with Chandler Canizero because I would imagine that if he doesn't do well in the game against the Giants, it's going to seal his fate at least as far as them really ramping up the effort to bring somebody in to compete. Because if he's doing this in practice and nailing them in the games, you could at least in your head internalize it and say, all right, maybe it's just that he's a bad practice guy, but when the games happen, he goes out there and he makes the kicks. But if it's on display for everybody to watch, because training camp, you get the reports, but on television, you can actually see it from your home. I think that that's going to really light a fire under these guys to get somebody. Who that ends up being, I don't know. We've talked about Ross Martin just because he's a familiar name. But something's going to have to give here, I think, if Canizero has a bad performance. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's just one of those 35-yarders or 40-yarders. I talked about that a couple days ago. Um, if he if he's missing something like that, then I think they're going to be like, all right, this this is enough of this. This has to be... Uh, rectified. They need to do something different. And uh, I mean, again, I've I've been saying that I'm shocked that he's still the only kicker in camp. Um, so I, they should have done something already here. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about the Jets um, be improving this year. Probably, most likely, competing for a playoff spot, but not just more likely just missing the playoffs. But if they're going to be in a lot of close games and you're going to need a kicker to be able to kick field goals, they're going to have a bunch of good drives that they're not going to be able to finish on some games. And you want to, you need to be able to get at least three points there. And again, Ken just the way that he has been in practice, these practices, man, normally these kickers, they just bang through everything. They're, they make 50, 55, 60 yard field goals. Like it's nothing in practice. Uh, so for him to consistently miss one or two every, you know, five reps, that's alarming. And then if you go ahead and we see that tomorrow night during the game, I, I got to think that Gase is going to be alarmed by that as well. 
Chris, do you agree with me that it's mostly the rookies and Tim White and Deontay Burnett and guys like that that you're going to be intrigued to watch, or are there some guys that I didn't list that you're looking forward to seeing in an actual preseason game? Yeah, no, I agree with you. There's there's a couple guys you didn't get to, but uh, you know, Cash Blake Cashman is right at the top of the list for me. Tim White, Deontay Burnett at the top of the list for me. Uh, you know, even I'm I, I'm interested to see how Ryan Griffin looks. I've I've said that he came in and day one he looked really good, and he he just picked up. Uh, seemed like he's been with the team the entire time. Looked good. Uh, at cornerback, I'm I'm going to look at Kyron Brown, who started to have a, a nice couple of practices the last week or so. Uh, Brian Poole, again, now I don't think he'll get as many reps, uh, but he's he's looked really good too. Uh, you know, we'll have to look at Tremaine Johnson as well. Now uh, the Giants uh, don't really have any receivers, and we know about their quarterback situation, so I don't know how much that those guys can get uh, tested, but it'll still be something to see and then of course there's Rontez Miles uh we've, we've been talking about this lately him back there as the the one single high safety starting there uh I'm gonna have my an eye on that and then just overall on the offensive line too um but you, there's we've talked about this all off season uh, about the issues they have there Joe Douglas has made two moves to try to bolster that area but uh we talked about that that probably neither of them are going to play but it's such an important unit that that's something that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Let's talk a little bit about Coach Adam Gase because this is going to be our first opportunity to see him coaching a game of any kind as the head coach of the New York Jets. There's an article over at The Athletic right now by Dan Pompey called The Crazy, which has a lot of fascinating details about Adam Gase, including the fact that he has a binder for every single day he coaches where he writes a diary of some sort. And there are some insane stories in there as well about actual details of his life, including the fact that when his wife gave birth via C-section, Gase basically looked at his wife as soon as she was done, said, you good? She said, yeah. They asked if he wanted to cut the umbilical cord. He said, no, I'm good, and then drove over to practice because he had meetings that day at 2 o'clock every week with Peyton Manning. Manning was flabbergasted and was like, didn't your wife just give birth? And he said, what, you expected me to not be here? So that's kind of the mentality of Adam Gase. He's absolutely out of his mind. There were some cool stories there, too, about how he has a soft spot for his players and he'll be there for them. An example was when Ryan Tannehill tore his ACL. As soon as practice was over, Gase drove over to the hospital to be with him. So there's different sides to Adam Gase, but... Overall, if you read the article, which I recommend, it surely paints him as a maniac who's almost singularly obsessed with football. And he's very serious about it, although you can tease him 
if you're Joe Vitt or Gase's sons, because there's a story in there too about how they made fun of Gase's eye thing that became a meme after his press conference, and Joe Vitt was the one that put his boys up to it. So that whole family is a little insane, but they love football. They're very focused on it. And I guess that could be a good or bad thing depending on how that energy gets channeled. Chris, let's talk about this. First of all, is this sort of what you've seen from Adam Gase in terms of his approach and his mentality throughout camp so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously nothing to that extreme level. Uh, uh, I was telling you before uh, we started recording, like obviously that's crazy and that's uh, a perfect example of how sometimes we as a society take sports a little too seriously. As much as I love sports, um, go ahead and, and be with your wife while she uh, delivers your, your child. Uh, I think that's okay. Uh, everybody will be fine. But, it, yeah, I mean, he. this just confirms what we already knew, which is he's a madman. Uh, he's he's definitely nuts. Uh, the Joe Vitt is nuts, and then that's it's just a football family, and it they're they're nuts, they're bonkers. Uh, everything they do, the the entire profession is nuts. You just think about all the stories you've ever heard of all the coaches who basically live in the facilities. They sleep on their couch for like an hour and a half, and then they wake up and go right back to work. And uh, these people are. They're committed, but in like a psychotic way. Like uh, it, it's obsessive uh, to the point of like, you know, how many coaches have we heard? Uh, whether it's Urban Meyer, uh, basketball coaches, Bruce Arians. You know, he had to retire from the coaching the Cardinals because he was like, I can't handle this. My body can't do this anymore. And then a year later, he's like, I need to get coaching again. Uh, so these people, it's it's almost like a sickness that they have. Uh, they're so consumed by the competition uh, and everything about it. It's what drives them, and it ends up what you know making them do good things and be successful. But yeah, it's it's all a little much, man. It's, and uh, of course, I'm coming from somebody who enjoys my downtime. I like to be able to sit down, relax, and watch some TV. So I might not be the best. I'm the polar opposite here. But, yeah, it's all a little crazy. And you, you can see it. Again, obviously, I don't have any ex- extreme examples to show. I don't even have any examples that are worth mentioning in comparison to that. But you can see it. You know, you can feel it. Uh, just listen to the way he talks about certain things the way he goes through practices, everything, how it's structured. You just know that he's that obsessive about all of this. There's also a story in here, Chris, and I had to chuckle because there's been conflicting reports as to whether or not this is true. But Jarvis Landry, Jordan Phillips, and Jay Ajayi are identified as three guys who publicly said bad things about Adam Gase. And Gase's response was, all these years as a coach and only three guys think I'm an a-hole, I'll take it. Which, from our understanding, there's far more than three that think he's an a-hole, but that's a whole other story altogether. But I do think that we're going to begin to see Gase's maniac mentality for ourselves during the game against the New York Giants. We haven't been able to be there at Camp Chris, you have. But I think on the sidelines, we'll probably get a good idea of it. If nothing else, they're going to show you some camera shots of Gase looking kind of psychotic, right? (laughs) Yeah, you'll see. And again, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but he does have something going on with those eyes that kind of make him uh, just look 
that way anyway. Uh, so I, I don't know, is this a chicken or an egg thing, or is it just a perfect match and it just it suits because it does suit his personality, or the eyes is what led to his personality. I don't know. But it, it fits. It's a match. Now, <clears throat> I've watched enough Dolphins games while he was coaching there to know that you're not going to see him throwing – Throwing temper tantrums, throwing stuff on the sidelines, kicking and ripping off his headset, this like Rex Ryan used to do. Um, so, but he's also, I, I can't imagine that we're going to be listening to fans complaining about him not showing any emotion like we did with Todd Bowles. So he's probably right there in the middle there. I think yeah, at times you will see it, and but I think most of what you'll see is you'll just see like an intense stare from him. Um, more than like uh, freaking out, slamming something. You're just gonna see the anger just burning in his eyes. Even with the hat down low, you're you'll be able to see that. It'll, it'll be going right through the camera and feel like it's going laser beams right at your head. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. And Gase may very well have met his match in terms of being a little psychotic when it comes to football with his quarterback, Sam Darnold, because there's a really good article over at Yahoo right now written by Charles Robinson talking about how Darnold was recently at some sort of function and he was asked to record a birthday greeting to Tom Brady and he said, do I have to? And they said, no. He said, then I'm not going to do it. And they said, what's the matter? You don't respect Brady. And he said, no, that's just it. I do respect him, but I know what I have to do here. He went on to say, and this is an exact quote from the article, for sure it would have been giving Brady something. If I see him after a game, I'll tell him good game and all that stuff, but I don't want to give him anything, especially to him. So basically what he's saying is it's all poker face. It's kind of that Larry Bird, Magic Johnson thing. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were rivals, but they saw it differently. Magic Johnson saw it as, oh, we're friendly rivals. And Larry Bird liked Magic, but was never going to show him that because he felt like it was giving Magic some sort of edge. And of course, the article says that when Gase found out about it, he lit up with a huge grin and said, Sam was the only one in the room that said no, that he wouldn't record the greeting. So they're cut from the same cloth, and it's going to be really interesting to see the beginning of the two of them working together in the preseason. It sounds like things have been going pretty well in training camp. I guess they're on the same page, not only in terms of play calling and learning the offense and taking that step forward in year number two, but also in that incredibly obsessive mindset of being completely consumed with football and having a poker face at all times. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're identical in that area because uh, Sam's got much more uh, level-headedness about him. I think yeah, I I think he can walk away, uh, you know, for a little uh, bit and take a break from football easier than Gase can. I think uh, Gase is just again he's just a crazy person and he puts all that crazy towards football. Where Darnold, uh, that quote and everything that sounds like just somebody 
who has been around football and listened to enough of the crazy people that he knows that that's what he's supposed to do. I, I think he's more of a student of the crazy than the actual crazy himself actually in, inside him. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because I think you have to, you do have to have a little bit of crazy in you to be able to be a, a, a really successful professional athlete. They all do. And he does have some of it. Uh, just with his the amount of time and work and dedication he puts into it, but I think it's a different level, and I think it's good because you got to be able to take breaks every once in a while. So I wouldn't put him quite on the same level there with Gase. Like I said, I think he's just been a student of the crazy and knows that that's how you have to be. Play like a jet. Play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Chris, let's each pick a star for the game, somebody that we think is going to shine and turn some heads. I'm going to go with Tim White. I love what he's been doing in training camp, or at least the reports that are coming out. I love the fact that he's always the first one in and the last one to leave. He's been one of the stars of a lot of these practices. I think he's going to take that next step forward and put on a nice show in the preseason game. So Tim White is my pick for a guy that's going to turn some heads against the Giants. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good one uh, for sure. Uh, I can go one of two ways here and uh, go with the easy pick here with, for me. What, it would, what I'd say the easy pick would be Blake Cashman with the way that he's played. Uh, but I'm going to go a little bit off board. I forgot to mention him before. And I'm going to go with Kafusi. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot of, a lot of burn in this game. Uh, and he's had a really strong camp too. A great job in OTAs. So I'm going to go a little bit off board and say that I, th- I think that you can see him having a really huge game and, uh, you know, being one of the stars of the game. And, uh, you know, I just feel like if I was to go Cashman, it'll be a little, a little bit too easy how much we've talked about him lately. Uh, I'm going to go with Bronson Kafusi though, on that defensive line. You know what's funny about Bronson Kafusi, and I think he's going to probably make the team, and he has some potential. Obviously, there's a reason he was picked in the third round by the Ravens a couple of years ago, but he's an older player. I think he was like 26 when he got drafted by the Ravens, so that's straight out of the McCagnan playbook. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's surprising that McCagnan didn't select him, but obviously Baltimore just beat him to the punch there. Yeah, and he's got some talent. I know that he's flashed at practice, so that's a good pick by you, Chris. Have you seen enough out of training camp to think that he could be a key rotational piece this year? Yeah, I have. Uh, you know, it's it's not especially early in the OTAs. I, I saw a bunch, but it wasn't something I really noticed or paid attention to um, until I, we were t- we talked to Leo and uh, Leo. Normally, uh, the cornerbacks always talk about how they have uh you know a, a board set up where they, they have a tally of uh where they get points for like a, a a deflected pass interceptions you know broken up uh all that stuff and the defensive line was doing that this year and I asked Leo who was at the top of that list and he was like oh Kafusi by far and I was like oh okay maybe I should start paying a little more attention to him now part of the reason why he was so high above Everybody else was because most of his uh, he was getting most of that against second team guys, but I was like, all right, I'm going to pay more closer attention to him here. And I've seen a bunch now. If we're talking about you know uh, him as being a starter here, I would change a little bit, especially with 
this defensive line that they have. So he's not there, but he, I think he's going to get a ton of reps this uh, tomorrow night, and I can definitely see him uh, having a really big game. There's been a lot to see. It's, it's his length, really, and the way that uh, he creates leverage with that length. That makes me really like what I've seen from him. He's, he's strong. He's good uh, quickness off the ball. But it, it's that leverage that he can get out of using that length that makes me think, all right, yeah, this guy could be a really nice rotational piece for that defensive line. And we've talked about it. They're going to rotate guys a lot. Uh, now he's not going to get – if he makes this team, he's not going to get too many snaps uh, on a per-game basis if everyone's healthy. But he can come in for a play or two here and there to spell everybody else and keep Leonard Williams, McClendon, and Quinnen Williams, and the Henry Anderson fresh uh, late in games. And especially with Greg Williams and the, the versatility, how he likes to use everybody in all these different ways, then he can use Kafusi to come in and uh, sub packages for Henry Anderson. He can do sub package for Leonard Williams. So I think you'll see a lot out of him. Uh, but uh, tomorrow night, I, I think you can get a really nice game out of him. One of the guys that Bronson Kafusi might be chasing after is Daniel Jones, the quarterback out of Duke that the Giants picked at number six overall. Certainly not going to be number six overall in your fantasy draft, though. But maybe Le'Veon Bell will be. Doesn't matter that he's not playing in the preseason. He's going to be one of the top choices in any fantasy league. And if you're going to play fantasy football this year, you want to do it with the people over at Draft.com. You know why? Because the grand prize for their best ball championship is $3.5 million. And it's really easy to play. All you've got to do is go over and participate in their very basic snake draft. There's nothing super complicated about it. No auctions, no salary cap, anything like that. It's season long and you don't have to manage it. You set it and forget it. Don't have to worry about trade proposals or the waiver wire. You pick your players and then automatically they make sure that the best ones play every week. And if that didn't sound enticing enough... How about this? For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but only if you use our promo code PLAYLIKE. Again, go to Draft.com or search the word Draft in the App Store, use the promo code PLAYLIKE, and you could be entered for a chance to win $3.5 million today. But Chris, getting back to Daniel Jones... I know that teams don't typically like to show a lot of what they're really going to use during the season in these things. They keep it pretty vanilla. But do you think that Greg Williams is going to be able to resist the temptation to try to mess with Daniel Jones here? No. <laughs> I, I, think <laughs> I, I think he will at first. Uh, you know, But I think towards like in the second half, I think he, he won't be able to help himself. Uh, and you can't really blame him because, again – as much as, uh, like, we're talking about crazy people, with Gase, at least, uh, his crazy is uh, mostly just about an obsession with football. I think Greg Williams is just straight-up crazy and who happened to find football. Um, <laughs> like, so I, I don't think that he'll be able to hold back too much. Now, it'll be when, uh, by the time he really does let some of that go, it'll probably be uh, – all backups in there, but I don't think he'll be able to help himself. He's probably going to dial up a couple of things here and there uh, at, towards, you know, late in the third, fourth quarter. 
My thought was that he was going to do it partially because he wanted to get in Jones's head because, remember, the Jets play the Giants late in the season, and by that point, there's a pretty good chance that Jones will be the starting quarterback. So perhaps if Greg Williams plants the seeds now, he'll get a little bit of an edge in terms of mental intimidation when the teams meet for real later in the season. Yeah, see, you're a student of the crazy, too. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, cool. <laughs> I, 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 and the thing is, I, you're probably right because that is how coaches think. My reaction to hearing that is like, all right, like, uh, I think Daniel Jones is gonna. I, I'm not just gonna sit here and just slam Daniel Jones right now, so I'll refrain from that. But yeah, I, I don't think you, that's a necessary thing to do. I, I don't think I'd be too worried about Daniel Jones to be doing something like that. But he's a crazy person, and coaches are all crazy people, and they do stuff like that. So I could absolutely say it. One quick story about Daniel Jones before we go, Chris. This is kind of funny, and you feel bad for Jones reading this because it's not like he brought this on himself, but I think he handled it pretty well. According to a story in a profile of Daniel Jones in the New York Times by Ben Spiegel, which, by the way, is really good, he writes, about a week after the Giants drafted Jones overall, the quarterback and his two sisters went out for ice cream in Charlotte, North Carolina, their hometown. While scooping Jones's cookie dough, the mammy on the counter glanced at a television showing highlights of another prominent Duke athlete, the basketball star Zion Williamson. The man remarked that he hoped the Knicks would draft Williamson. Intrigued, Jones asked whether the man rooted for other New York sports teams too, like, say, the Giants. The man replied, don't even get me started on them, that draft pick. Daniel Jones at six? Are you kidding me? Without hesitating, Jones replied, yeah, man, that's crazy. Can't believe they did that. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, hey, he set himself up for that. You can't, you don't ask that question unless you're ready for it. Uh, he, you got, he got to be ready for it. You don't ask that question unless you're, you're ready to handle that answer. By the way, also in the profile, in three seasons as a starter at Duke, Jones soared in some games and sputtered in others, but his arm talent and mobility, intelligence, and intangibles all coiled in a 6'5", 220-pound frame, smacked of NFL potential. Chris, I don't know how many times NFL executives are going to fall for this nonsense, but who cares what the guy's height and weight are. That's nice, I suppose, in an ideal world. But how many times do you see a quarterback who's not 6'5", 220, 230, whatever, succeed? And how many times do you see these guys with these big arms that are really tall fail? We could list so many examples. Blaine Gabbert would be a prominent one. He has the look. He's got all the tools. Jake Locker, so on and so forth. We'll see. The book is still out on Josh Allen. But it just cracks me up when they say, well, his size and his weight and his arm, that's right there, NFL. Well, first, before I get to that part, even when you're talking about that story at the ice cream store, I was thinking if I'm the guy behind the counter, I'm looking at this 6'5 dude that, that's asking me this question, and I'm wondering if this is, in fact, Daniel Jones ask, asking me that question. I don't know how many 6'5 dudes that you're going to run into like that and, and then and ask you a follow-up weird random question like that. That's, that seems a little weird. But, uh, yeah, no, this is something I've talked about forever especially with when it comes to arm strength. Arm strength is the single most overrated quarterback trait there is. Now, you have to have a certain level of arm strength. Yeah, I'm not talking um, – you can't have my level of arm strength here. But you just have 
have to have a certain baseline. You have to be have a pass that baseline. Be, basically, to be able to throw a 15-yard out on a rope is basically the, the level that you need. And then beyond that, you have some. Like, you have someone – like, look at Aaron Rodgers. And uh, he is someone who has a much stronger arm than people generally think he does because he doesn't unleash it very often. Every once in a while, he'll break it out when he has to, but he doesn't um, unleash it with that full potential. More often than not, that crazy cannon of an arm gets you and the quarterbacks in trouble. And then, yeah, it's the same thing with height. You want between certain heights, but you don't want to be too tall. That's for sure. Uh, you don't want to be Brock guys. Osweiler six, seven is absurd. Six, seven's way too much. Um, he's six, five, six, six is that's, that's a little too much for me for most cases. Obviously there'll be exceptions, but, and you just, you see this day that, Oh, that guy looks like a quarterback. He's six, five. He's got a strong arm. Yeah. Well, can he throw it with touch? Can he read a defense? Can he lead the receiver? Can he throw to a spot instead of a receiver? These are the types of things you have to look at more than just the size and the arm strength. And then you can look and you can see that, you know, obviously we got Drew Brees. We got Russell Wilson. You saw what Baker Mayfield did last year. Kyler Murray's the number one pick this year. We'll see how that turns out. But it seems like at least now more and more people are starting to realize, hey, we don't have to get the six five, six six guy. But uh, for the longest time, that's been the prototype. And it's just uh, GMs and scouts, they see somebody that size and they just start drooling. And I, it, it, it kind of blinds them. It, it's like they, they fall in love, just like, you know, everyone's falling in love and then you – you you overlook certain things because you're blinded by being in love. And that's what happens with these scouts. They, they fall in love because of the size and the arm strength and they miss everything else. But he can make all the throws, Chris. He can make all the throws. I always love when people say that because it's one of the oldest cliches. If you're a quarterback that's coming in the NFL, I really hope you can make all the throws because otherwise – I don't know what you're getting drafted or being signed for. Every quarterback in the NFL can make, quote, all the throws. I get that not everybody can throw a 60-yard bomb on a rope, but as far as the throws that need to be made in the NFL, I don't know that there's a quarterback in the NFL that can't make, quote-unquote, all the throws. But we'll see what Daniel Jones does in his preseason debut against the Jets. And like I said, I do expect Greg Williams to dial some things up and try and get in the rookie's head with an eye on the matchup between the Jets and Giants later in the season. Chris, we will be talking this weekend from your trip in Tahoe. You are going to call in and we're going to do some mailbag stuff. That'll be fun. Get you a little bit of a break. You can sneak away and tell them that you're a very big deal and people just can't be without you for a couple of days. So we'll answer some mailbag questions. But in the meantime, before you head off to your trip to Tahoe, why don't you let everybody know what you've got cooking over at JetsInsider.com so they can read your very big deal work. Yeah, well, first, uh, be prepared to be dealing with a either still drunk or a semi or a pretty hungover uh, version of me <laughs> during the mailbag. Uh, that that's quite possible because that's pretty much going to be my entire experience out there. And I don't drink very much, but I do at weddings. 
So that, that'll happen there. But yeah, you can find my work at jetsinsider.com. Next couple of days, I'm going to uh, have a couple different articles up there to post uh, to why I'm missing a couple of days of practice. So I have to have some, uh, pump out some content there. Uh, but we'll have plenty of stuff there. And obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at jetsinsider and at cnibly. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore Schechter, S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. Read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.